me talk to you a little bit this morning about uh, the life of the Son, capital S-O-N, Jesus. The life of the Son which God has given to you. He has given to you this amazing life. And I, I don't want you to take it for granted. And we just want to share with you, talk to you about it. In John chapter 6, John chapter 6, we've been teaching from John chapter 6. And uh, I got so excited when, whenever I come again after this uh, John chapter 6, I think I'm going to talk about some things in John chapter 7. And then maybe from that I'll go back to chapter 8 again and, and we'll talk a little bit about John. It's been so beautiful and so wonderful. You and I have been given amazing blessings from God and we don't want to just take that for granted. We don't want to take it for granted. Jesus in John chapter 6 beginning in verse 47, I want to recap with you, just give you some connection uh, to what we're going to be sharing today. Jesus, he starts out by saying, most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, verily, verily, or amen, amen. You know, when you can say amen before you say something, you, you're somebody. And that's what Jesus is doing. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. That's an emphatic statement. Has everlasting life. Don't take it for granted. Don't believe the people who do not have the Spirit of God when they talk about spiritual things. Don't believe them when they talk about spiritual things. They, they cannot know the things of God because those things are spiritually discerned. Jesus says you have present tense everlasting life once you believe in him. Then he makes a, another statement. I am the bread of life. So now he is speaking to, the, to the, those Jewish people or those Pharisees who were contesting him and were being argumentative as though they knew more than Jesus. And so he says, I am the bread of life. See, they have asked, the, the context of this is Jesus has now at this particular time, he has fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with two fish, two little fish, five loaves of, of bread, not Mrs. Baird's bread or H-E-B loaves, but little barley loaves. He, he, he fed them with 5,000 men, which means that if they had their wives at the meeting, in those days there was an agrarian society, a rural society, so they obviously probably had wives and children at the meeting, and we could say safely at least 20,000 people minimum were there, and he fed them. And the Jews, or the, the, the when I say Jews, you know things are so polarizing and whatever. I'm talking about the Pharisees. That's not an anti-Semitic statement. You know? And so I want to just say that too. Um, they were saying basically, you've not done anything. Moses gave us bread in the wilderness. He fed us bread in the wilderness. That's what they're saying. Come on, maybe a million and a half, three million people. Uh, and then you got maybe 20, low, measly 20,000, 25,000. So they're, they're saying, you, you haven't done anything. Show us something. We want to see something. You know, and so then they asked, uh, what, do, what might we do to do the works of God? And so Jesus had told them, this is the work of God. And this is not just for them. This is for all of us. Believe on him whom God sent. Amen. That is your work. Well, I just want to know what my ministry is. Believe. Wake up every day believing. No matter, no matter what happened in the night. No matter what went on during the day, the previous day, wake up believing God. That's, that's your job. And, and the life of the Son gives you the impetus to do that. 
Now, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Then he, he is now dealing with contesting uh, uh, what their premise, or their, their foundational thought was that Moses gave us bread in the wilderness. Jesus says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Powerful. They, you're boasting in them, but they are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, the, that one may eat of it and not die. Now this, speaking of himself. And then he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And Jesus is speaking in a way that he knows is confounding them and is causing them trouble. But they are unbelievers. Not just unbelievers because they don't know. They are willful in their unbelief. Now notice. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now, anybody who knows anything about Jewish, uh, the, the Judaism or the Jewish culture, you know that this was going to cause some problems. To talk about eating flesh. And so Jesus knows that, but he's bringing them to a point of decision-making. I offer to all of us that the things that are going on in the world are bringing some of us to a solidified position and place in Jesus Christ. You and I are choosing every day, every moment when we watch the news or see whatever, we are choosing who, who we, uh, him in whom we believe or whom we believe. We are choosing, making decisions every day. And Jesus is doing, is doing that to them in this text, and he's doing that to us. Then the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, Amen, Amen. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So Jesus doubles down. <laughs> Jesus is not intimidated by their unbelief. He is not intimidated by their willful doubt. They've threatened his life. But Jesus says, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Jesus says, whoever does it, he has eternal life. And so when he's looking at his audience, he's saying to them, you are having an issue because I've just fed these people. You want to do the work of God. I tell you the work of God is to believe in him whom God sent, and you don't want to do it. Well, oftentimes what God will do when you say, God, I'm serious about you, I want you, he will ask something of you that you don't want to give. This is amazing. He's done that to me. And I've had to come to grips with myself. God, I need to be more serious about you. He calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, sent him to a land, said that I'll show you. I'll let you know when you get there. And then when he got there, there was a famine. He should have stayed there, but he went into Egypt, and his weaknesses were exposed. But listen to what he says. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has not just bio life, but zoe life, eternal life. And Jesus makes this statement. And not only will he have that eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So he says, you will have a bodily resurrection. Not like the mystics who said, well, well you'll just be a spirit being and you'll be like a, a, a puff of smoke or a cloud. I was a boy, I never thought that was interesting. I was a kid, I went to the church, they said, that we're going we're to get to heaven, we're not going to have bodies. I thought, what? I got used to a body, I kind of like having a house. And I was so glad when I learned many years later in the book of Colossians, when Paul says that God's purpose, his desire, is to turn our vile body or our lowly body to make it fashioned according to his glorious body. In, the, in that Jesus got out of the grave, he was resurrected out of the grave by the power of God, and he had a body, a spirit body. Amazing. Could go through walls. I was, I was reading something a number of years ago. And this scientist said, he said, the amazing thing about the resurrection and the resurrected body was not so much that he could walk through walls. I mean, that was, as Pastor Jackson would say, that was stupendous. <laughs> but the amazing thing about it is that you could see him while he did it. And I thought, whoa. So, so this is an amazing reality. So then we can see the Spirit moving. So Jesus is talking to them on an amazingly high level. And I believe he's talking to us today on the same high level. You know, don't be like the people who, who enjoyed first grade so much they thought they would repeat it. <laughs> we want to grow in the Lord. So Jesus says, he makes a promise, I'm going to raise you up bodily. I'm going to give you, yes, your, because your spirit is not going in a hole in the ground. Your spirit is not going into a, a vase, a vase or whatever. It's not going into that. Your spirit is going to immediately be with God, and your body will be raised. Paul even speaks to this when he says, he says when the Lord comes, he, uh, those who have gone to sleep in Jesus, he's going to bring with him. He's going to bring you with him. And your body is going, you're going to come, it's going to be a shout and, 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 and uh, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first and they're going to meet together with their spirit in the air. That's going to be amazing. God wants you to know this. He wants you to be encouraged. There's nothing in this world worth losing out on this great day. Verse 55 says, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And Jesus is, is preaching in Capernaum in the synagogue. Can you imagine preaching in church like this? And 98% and, and of the people don't want you there? This is amazing. Yeah. Listen to what he says. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. So Jesus is giving us some powerful, powerful, uh, a, a powerful exegesis of Scripture. He is showing, he is taking the Scripture to another level where those Pharisees have never dared to go. Amen. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides, lives in me, remains in me. So, so salvation is not some temporary uh, journey that you go and somehow you get weak and you quit it. No, those are the people who never had. Those are the people who were just going with the saints. 
to the house of God. But those who have this, Jesus says, when you mm, receive me, eat, receive me, receive my blood. Mm, those Jewish guys, those Pharisees should have known what he was saying. They were the keepers of the oracles of God. They were the only people group who had the law. We can't look at them and point fingers, guys. We act like that sometimes. And it wasn't all the Jewish people. It was leaders mostly. Wow. Now listen here. They had the oracles of God. They should have known. They knew the scriptures. They knew that you ate at the Passover, you ate the lamb. You ate the flesh. You ate it all. You couldn't just leave it there. You had to burn whatever you couldn't eat. And then you have to take the blood and use the blood. You have to take the blood and put it on the lintel of, the door of your house and the doorposts of your house so that death would have no power over you. Amen. Death has no power over those of us who have received Jesus Christ. Because we have received him. As it were, we have eaten him. Thank you, Jesus. And now he goes on to say, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. I love that. Jesus says the Father had granted that he, this flesh and blood man, this God man, he says the Father had granted that he would have life in himself. In other words, what, what it means is, by those words he means that, that he has the very life of the Father. No created life. No, it's not that. No created life. He had the very life of the Father, uncreated life. And this is what he says. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. He who feeds on me will live. It's like in the same manner because of me. So you and I receive the very life of God when we receive Jesus. We receive the Spirit of God which is, who is, the very life of God. So the Spirit is life. You and I have received eternal life now while we're in a mortal frame. This is what Jesus is dealing with them on. And then he, he goes on because they're stumbling over him being the bread of life. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Now, notice, not as your fathers ate the manna, and are dead. Now, he said this the second time. Not as your fathers ate the manna. They're boasting about Moses and manna. They didn't even believe in Moses. That's how a lot of times we are. We believe in the here and now, what I can get. And the moment that is upset, we are upset with God. What's going on, God? You're taking my toys away. They were upset. Talking about Moses, look, Jesus said, whoa, 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 stop it. Your fathers ate manna and they are dead. I'm talking about a bread, food, in contradistinction that is total contrast of what happened in that wilderness. I know my, you know, Ten Commandments, what was our favorite movie? When you lived in Egypt, we watched it maybe every week or every two days. You know, you know, the Ten Commandments. And we love those Ten Commandments. But Jesus says they are dead. So he, he is preaching, as it, again, in, in distinction, contradistinction, contrast to what had happened naturally in that wilderness. And Jesus says, he who eats this bread will live forever. So how does one feed on Christ? You feed on Christ because you, may, you need to know. You feed on Christ by, by believing 
and receiving all that he has done. You believe, you, you feast on Christ by trusting his word, by trusting his testimony. Whatever he said is true. It doesn't matter whether you feel it. What he said is true. He says you eat, you can't die. So that puts us in an amazing uh, position and a favorable position to live out life boldly because we, we can walk it out here. We cannot die. What does that mean? It means if something happens to me and I fall out here and some smart mouth says, I thought he said he couldn't die. Those of you who know the scripture should say, he didn't. He had an exodus. He went to be with Jesus because that's what he's saying to us. You cannot die. Let's look at, at John chapter 8. It gives a bit of expla uh, explanation to the scriptures I've just read. John 8, let's start in verse 51. Verse 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. You could say in a sense, you know, in a, in a common vernacular sense, you know, vernacular, when you, the language that we use, you know, kind of common everyday stuff we do. You know, you could say in, in that sense that Jesus was messing with them. You know, you know, you know, that would be the vernacular, man, man, Jesus was messing with those folks. That's how we would say it. Because Jesus knew that they didn't believe. And he knew that they were willfully disobedient. He says, if he, anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. We know now you've got a demon. Jesus gave them the truth of the gospel. They said, you got a demon. You know, today, today the challenge is when we speak the truth, people say, nah, I don't trust that. When lies are told, people just eat it like gorge themselves. That's the day that we've come to. Now, I've said these things for 20-plus years, much more than that, and they were never controversial when I said them before, but now that the atmosphere has gotten so heated, they're all controversial. Wow, I wonder who changed. I told you before they came, they were coming. These days were coming. So don't say, well, we didn't know. No, we knew because I told you. I preached it from the pulpit. Are you still with me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look here. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead, the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. They're saying, are you? Is something wrong with you? He said, are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead? What do you make yourself out to be? The sin of Jesus, the God-man, God-man. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. And notice how Jesus, Jesus is amazing. I just want that spirit in me. I'm not going to be like the preacher said, yeah, Jesus was smart talking. I'm not, no. No, but Jesus was truth talking. And he says here, he says, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him. You say he's your God. He's my dad. You've not known him. I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. 
Now notice what Jesus is saying. He is saying, you have lied when you said, I know him. But if I say I don't know him, I will have lied. And I would have been just like you. But I know him. Don't you love the way Jesus is talking? Jesus is talking to us also. He was talking to them, but he's talking to us. If you're a churchgoer, he's talking to you. If you're a believer, he's talking to you. If, he's, if you're a believer, he is saying, keep it right. If you're a churchgoer, he's saying, get it right. Jesus says, but I do know him and keep his word. No, he goes on. He's, he goes on. He's really challenging them. He's taking them deeper in Scripture. Isn't it a sad thing that when we find um, a, a safe, comfortable place in God and we don't want to go any deeper? We found a church that let us keep our stuff and still worship. There's never a challenge. But that happens. Don't raise your hands in church, but you'll raise them at the football game. Don't scream when we talk of overcoming, but if that guy made that last shot, you'll scream. Let's scream for the world, but not for Jesus. There's something wrong with that. Jesus says, when he said, he said to them, Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? They didn't go deeper. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah, somebody. And, they, and, and, and the text is, they picked up stones to stone him, and he asked them, for which of the good works are you stoning me for? He said, not for a good work, but you make yourself out to be God. They were looking for a Messiah, and when he came, did not recognize him. Are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for Jesus? There's much more I, I need to say today, but I can't say it all. But let me just say a few scriptures, and then I'm going to have to leave it for today. Jesus did not come on his own, but he was sent. And he said to them, why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. So you don't understand the conversation that I've got here because every word you find some problems with it. Are you that way? Let's, let's go into We'll read, and then we're going to have a baptism. In verse 58, again, Jesus says, this is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, many of the churchgoers, so to speak, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When they should have been growing, they were doing some other things. They, when they should have been praying, they were doing other things. When they should have been taking notes, they were doing other things. Jesus had performed many miracles among them. And they say, this is a hard saying now. Now they're siding with the world. Be careful the positions that you and I take because we can side with the world against the Savior. And this is what they did here. 
And this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. I understand the world complaining, but his disciples complained. He said to them, does this offend you? Does this cause you to stumble? What in the preaching of the gospel causes you or me to stumble? Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he was before? Ascend where he was before. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if this statement I've made messes you up, one day I'm going to take off. I'm going to just start to rise, and I'm going to rise, and that's going to really mess you up. If the little thing messes you up, the big thing's going to certainly destroy you or reveal you. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Seventy. He had 82. Seventy walked away from him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter, love you, Simon. He answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? That should be the, cry, the question right now. All across this building and all across that internet. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ the son of the living God. After these things, John chapter 7, verse 1, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. And he thought when he says the Jews, meaning primarily those leaders, those people who were in leadership positions, the common people received him gladly. But he had to walk away. Why? Because they wanted to kill him for telling the truth. They wanted to kill him for telling the truth. And we are in a day when the, many in the, in the church uh, proper, the visible church, are conflicted between lies and truth. It's not your truth and my truth. Jesus says, I'm, he's not my truth, he's not your truth, he is the truth. Let's be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, and in the power of his might. Let us put on the whole armor of God. I'll be back in a moment.